past first point guard and trailblazers reporter mike richmond you are listening to another episode of locked on blazers part of the locked on podcast network available wherever you get podcasts and also on youtube why don't you make this show your first listen every single day five days a week we're back your only daily trailblazers podcast we're doing this for the next six months five days a week Join us every single day. Tell your friends to do the same every single weekday. That is, I do take some weekends off every now and then. We got a fun show for you today. We're rolling along with season previews. Today's episode, the eighth installment of the Lockdown Blazers countdown to tip off, running down every player on the roster and giving you a brief but thorough look at what they'll bring to the Blazers. We'll look at how they performed last season, how they wound up on the Blazers, talk best and worst case scenarios, and then we'll finish the show talking expectations and likely role for the upcoming year. This is the eighth installment, the eighth one of these that we've done. It's the ninth player that we've profiled. So if you've missed any of the others, waiting in your feed and organized on YouTube in a playlist called Season Previews, you can check them all out. Don't miss them. We're going to do every player on the roster, but if you're just jumping in because it's media day and you're, or you're new to the podcast or whatever it is, we got them all. It's a great way to get prepped for the season, or if uh, you just want to see where I stand on some of your favorite players in the roster, a great kind of jumping off point, I think, um, for new to the podcast or restarting the season or whatever it might be. I like these season previews. I think you will too. Today, we're returning home, talking Jeremy Grant. How, how, how did Grant fare last season and get here? Let's talk about it. Jeremy Grant appeared in 47 games, all starts for the Detroit Pistons last season, playing 31.9 minutes a night. He averaged 19, 4, and 2.5, or 19.2, 4.1 rebounds, and 2.4 assists to go along with just shy of one steal, 0.9 steals, and 1.0 blocks per game. Shot 42.6% from the floor, 35.8% from the three-point line, and 83.8% from the free throw stripe. It was his second season in Detroit. And after he had clearly been very good, averaging a career high in points, a career high in assists, and looking like, you know, borderline all-star in his first season with the, in Detroit, his second season took a turn. When on December 21st, he tore ligaments in his left, left thumb and missed the following 24 games. When Grant went out of the lineup, he was the guy on a young Pistons team with, you know, second-year players, and Isaiah Stewart and Sadiq Bay still trying to find their footing. The first overall pick, Cade Cunningham, who quite frankly was bad at the beginning of the year as get as he got acclimated to the league. But when Jeremy Grant returned to the lineup in February, February 1st, he comes back and starts playing again. Cade Cunningham had found his footing. He was, uh, he really took off shortly thereafter, but like he was much better then than he had been. And Sadiq Bey had kind of solidified himself as a guy you can run offense through. They had, they had found a rhythm with it. And Grant, to his credit, played more of a complimentary type role down the stretch and looked pretty good doing it than he had as like a featured role where he was getting some heat for maybe being inefficient, taking some bad jump shots, um, you know, hijacking an offense away from a young and up and coming team occasionally. But even in that complimentary role, he was still getting buckets from time to time. He had some big 20 point games. He had 40 at Cleveland on March 19th. And then two days later, 40 piece at Cleveland, two days later, he takes the night off. Blazers play the Pistons. And there had been so much trade talk, trade chatter surrounding Jeremy Grant heading into the heading into the trade deadline. And, and the Blazers were rumored to be one of the teams hot after him. In fact, the team most most actively pursuing him at the trade deadline, a, a, a deal doesn't come around. It doesn't work out. The Blazers make, you know, some other trades, two other major trades uh, and, and some minor ones in there to in conjunction with the major trades. And but they don't land Jeremy Grant. 
They lend the assets that would later become Jeremy Grant, but they don't lend Jeremy Grant, but it is known that he is coveted here in the Rose City. And so after the game, after the Blazers and the Pistons play one another and the Blazers win a game, one of the very few, two, they won down the stretch. Jeremy Grant spends a small portion of his postgame covering his mouth and whispering with Josh Hart and Yusuf Nurkic, tampering season, a... a now infamous photograph that was shared when the Blazers later acquired Jeremy Grant. It was the banner photo they used in the press release. Tampering season. But just four days after that, on March 25th, against the Washington Wizards, uh, Jeremy Grant sustained a calf strain. Just played about seven and a half minutes left in the first quarter and left the game early. They ruled him out right away and he did not return. His season ended that night at the end of March. He heads in averaging 19-4 and 2.5. Didn't shoot as well as he had the previous season, but another darn good year, Jeremy Grant, in the books. But it's clear that he is a short-timer in Detroit. They try to trade him at the trade deadline. He's had one year remaining on his contract. And so it's, it is clear that Grant is likely to find a new home. And then prior to the NBA draft in late June, the Blazers... Fa- the Blazers got that deal done. Uh, the the uh, Portland Trail Blazers had acquired a first-round pick from the New Orleans Pelicans in the CJ trade, and they sent that, a 2025 pick that initially belonged to the Bucks to the Detroit Pistons, along with two second-round picks in 2025 and 2026 for Jeremy Grant and a second-rounder in 2022 that eventually got rerouted, and we don't need to follow that. But a first and two picks for Jeremy and two second-rounders for Jeremy Grant. And now he's coming back, entering his ninth NBA season. The former second-round pick is back in the town where he was born. The son of former Blazer Harvey Grant, who didn't spend much time here. He was very young when he left, but back in back in the town he was born. A full-circle moment for the team that had been rumored to, per, to be pursuing him for months. Grant finally comes to Portland. So what's it going to look like now that he's in Portland and in a contract year and eligible potentially for a contract extension in Portland? Let's talk about what it might look like in the second segment. We do best and worst case scenarios here, talking about what's the best case Jeremy Grant look like and what is the worst case Jeremy Grant look like. That's what we'll do in the second segment. But first, let me tell you about Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. That's Bet Online. More lines, more props, more odds than anywhere else. You want to bet on the NFL? You want to bet on college football? You want to spend your weekends wagering on gridiron games? You're going to find all those lines and props and odds at Bet Online for every game going on Saturdays and Sundays. Not a football person? Fine. You can bet on NBA futures, NHL futures. You can bet on soccer here and abroad. You can bet on combat sports. You can bet on tennis. You can bet on golf. Whatever you're looking for, you're going to find it on Bet Online. So why not go take advantage today? That's Bet Online, where the game starts. All right. Let's keep it rolling. Talking best case, worst case scenarios for Jeremy Grant. A caveat is we always do to begin this segment. We do this, This the player previews are structured all the same, but I like to give this caveat at the beginning of the second segment regardless. These are best case scenario within reason, you know, based on your likely role on the team and your co- and your coworkers and all of those things and without injury. Uh, everyone's, everyone's worst case scenario is their body breaks down. We're talking about worst case scenario if you're on the court and playing. So what's the best case scenario for Jeremy Grant? It's that he's the Blazers' second best player. He's the two-way forward they've been looking for for years, and the friendship he formed with Damian Lillard in 
on Team USA, and they continued beyond that, the payoff is that he fits. He's the guy. He's the a secondary scorer who can bring it on offense and a really versatile defender on defense who can guard threes, who can guard fours, who can sneak and guard fives, who's long enough to bother guards, and who who is the two-way forward they have long coveted. The best case scenario is that he's a competent role player on offense, but he has enough offensive pop to be so much more when called upon. The problem with Blazers forwards of the past is that they were one thing or another. They were, you know, a pretty darn good offensive player like Rodney Hood, or they were a pretty darn good defensive player like Al Aminu. But rarely both at the same time. You never got uh, someone who was an above-average offensive player and above-average defensive player. Someone who could go create their, their own shot. Someone who could go, you know, get their own offense on one end and guard the best player on the other team on the other end. Blazers have not had that forward. Uh, you know, even LaMarcus at his peak wasn't the type of versatile defender. He's a much better offensive player, and is probably just a better overall defensive player. But in terms of one-on-one guarding the ball, it's been a while since the Blazers have had someone like Jeremy Grant. A listener likened it to the acquisition of Gerald Wallace, which I think is a really good one. A two-way forward that brings athleticism and is thought to prop up both the defense and the offense with some individual offensive skills and some defensive versatility. Uh, Wallace and, and Jeremy Grant aren't particularly similar players in their style of play, but they are, the acquisition reads to me as very, very similar reasoning from the Blazers front office, albeit nearly 10 years apart. The best case scenario is that Jeremy Grant is the thing they've been looking for. He's Portland's second best player. And why I mean that is the best case scenario is because if Jeremy Grant is clearly their second best player, it means that he's a good defender and a really good offensive player and that the value he brings on defense outweighs what Anthony Simons would bring on the other end, right? And, and Ant might be a step or so ahead of him offensively, but Grant's balance on both ends of the floor makes him so clearly the Blazers' second best player. And there's real value in that. And he sees a long-term future in Portland. It is a happy first impression that leads to a long-term future. And not because the Blazers have sort of opportunity cost back their way into having to sign Jeremy Grant, but because it works. The best case scenario is that the trade for CJ McCollum brings you a Josh Hart and a Jeremy Grant, and both veterans are parts, are versatile parts of the future. And moving on from one era of the Blazers seems so much easier because of what you got back in return. But there's always another side. And the worst case scenario for Jeremy Grant is that he just thinks he's the Blazers' second best player. He just thinks he's the Blazers' second-best player. In reality, he's something short of that. He came off two seasons in Detroit where he had a usage rate of 26.9 and then 24.5. A typical usage for, for players is like in his role would be something like 20. Um, for like a low minutes, not your best player on the team type of guy. It's about 20 is, is normal for like sort of typical median range usage players. In his prior six seasons in the NBA, Jeremy Grant had never had a usage higher than 17. He was a complimentary part, a role player, and a play finisher. He caught the ball and he shot it. He caught the ball and he dunked it. He didn't do a lot else. He took big steps as a playmaker in Detroit, particularly in his first season with the Pistons, where he was like a straight up pretty good, pretty good fulcrum, a pretty good, you know, had some inefficiencies on offense, but really was probably better than most people thought he could be by stepping into that bigger role. And the worst case scenario is that Grant cannot see himself 
taking what would amount to a step back from featured part of an, an offense in Detroit to complementary part in Portland. And why I say the worst case scenario is that he just thinks he's he's their best player is because the worst case scenario is that while Grant is clearly not as good as Anthony Simons or clearly not as good as Yusuf Nurkic on, you know, opposite ends of the court offense and defense there, is that he still fancies himself as that. So he hijacks the offense a little bit more than you would like. And with a reduced role on offense, he eventually doesn't have the same buy-in to the defensive first ask. He's less impactful on offense, then he has less of a role on offense, then he brings it a little less on defense. It all feeds into itself. And the worst case scenario is that Grant is a short timer. By the time you get to the trade deadline, you are looking to send Jeremy Grant to another place because he's not the answer. He's the bridge to what's next. And that the moving on from the CJ McCollum, Damian Lillard era isn't as smooth because now it's hit a real rocky start where you are trading, you know, it's not a direct trade for him, but you get a first round pick and you acquire Jeremy Grant in kind of the end of the completion of the, of the CJ trade in some ways. And the worst case scenario is that you're still kind of playing out the string and figuring out what's next by the time you get to February. I would say talking with Jeremy Grant, and this is the first one of these previews I've done since uh, Media Day. All the other ones were prior to Media Day. Uh, I had listened to Grant's interviews when he was introduced, but I did not attend that press conference. And there's a very big difference, for me at least. Uh, you can kind of just get a better sense, read body language and body cues like that in person, better than I can even watching the press conference. I got a little bit of it in his first press conference, introductory press conference. I really got it again on Media Day. I don't think Jeremy Grant likes talking about his role and his positions very much because I think of someone like Jeremy Grant, who was a second round pick who toiled on a terrible 14 win Sixers team in his first year in the league, found a way to stick in the NBA, earned himself a very solid reputation in OKC, got a, was traded for a first round pick to be part of a, a a quality core with a team that made the Western Conference Finals in Denver and then left for a to be the man and get a big contract in Detroit. Someone who followed that path, made his dreams a reality, doesn't want to talk about doing less and having less on his plate, which seems real and reasonable to me. Grant wants to, when asked, can you play this position? Can you play that position? Instead of wanting to talk about what he can do, Jeremy Grant just says plainly, I can play all over the court. I'm fine. When asked about the sort of change from, you know, star to role player, Grant says, I can play. I'll be ready to play. He is not interested in discussing a reduced role in the way that no one would be in a new job. Hey, I came here to take a step back is not a... It's not an enticing conversation for anyone to have. That can be read two ways. And I think the way you read it speaks to whether you think where the pendulum swings for Jeremy Grant, best case or worst case scenario. The, the one way is to say like, of course he doesn't want to talk about it. He just wants to hoop the dude's a basketball player. That's the best case scenario. And I think that's a totally fair read. The other way is that Grant is still wrestling with the fact that people think it didn't work or the perception of him is that he wasn't able to take the step forward he did, even though he averaged 22, and, 22, 8, and 3 in a season in Detroit. How many dudes could do that? How many, like, he, he, he envisions himself as something 
you know, as, as something akin to a borderline all-star. So when you ask him, well, how's it going to be to be Dame's guy, like Dame's, Dame's little buddy? I mean, that's like not really the implication, but the implication is how does it feel to be, you know, you're going to be a role player now. What, what's your what's your interest in that? Is that he says, I'm, I'm better than that. And you're miscasting me or you don't understand what I bring or all of these things. And that makes me think that the pendulum could swing to the worst case scenario because understanding, appreciating, and accepting your role is kind of, it's it's the hardest job in some ways a coach has, right? It's the soft stuff of like getting guys to buy in. And I think that's one of my concerns with Jeremy Grant. So let's talk about the realistic role and expectations because the we set the polls here, you know, best and worst. And then we try to f- figure out where in the middle Jeremy Grant will land or any of these players will land. So join me in the third segment. Let's talk about where Jeremy Grant's going to land and what his first season in Portland is going to look like. Still a pass first point guard. I'm still Mike Richmond. You are still listening to Locked On Blazers. What's a realistic role and what are our expectations for Jeremy Grant? here in Portland in his first season with the Trailblazers. Uh, just as a reminder, like the best case and worst case scenarios are not meant to be like, it's going to be this or this. It's meant to be to set the edges and then everybody lands in the middle. And what we try to do to close the show is figure out what the middle looks like. The role is pretty easy for Grant. He's going to start at power forward. Uh, that that's, that's a done deal. But I think a note that I would add about his role is I bet he plays a lot more minutes at center this season than he does at small forward. Just because of the way the roster works. You look at his colleagues. The the area for him to play a position out of where he starts is much likely playing center than it is sliding to the three. Like that's, it's just a reality of the roster for now. The roster might change. If it changes, um, you know, this this part gets a big asterisk, but as it's as it looks here in September, I think Grant is much more likely to play, you know, more minutes as a center than he does as a small forward. The distinction between small forward and power forward is not super meaningful, but if Josh Hart is on the court as the three, Jeremy Grant's clearly the four. If Nazir Little's on the court as a three, it's less meaningful. But if it's like Hart or Gary Payton or even Shaden Sharp, like Grant's the four, <laughs> to be clear. Uh, and 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 who you guard and who guards you is probably the best way to judge what position you play, particularly who you are capable of guarding. Um, that, that's uh, is more so than like, are you taller than the other guy on the court? Uh, positions increasingly mean nothing in the league, but I think the distinction I'm making here is Grant much likely to be tallest dude asked to guard the tallest dude than he will be, you know, uh, the three next to two people who are clearly bigger and asked to guard be people bigger than him in the lineup. I also believe that Jeremy Grant is the biggest swing player on the Blazers roster. If he's good, man, are they going to have a chance to be good? Like if Grant is a significantly above average defender if he is in addition to being a significantly above average defender right at sort of what he's been as kind of like a slightly below to slightly above above offensive player when he had a smaller role he was a very efficient scorer as it's typical when players you know take on more load he was he was just when he did when he was asked to do more stuff on offense he was not nearly as efficient it's normal 
not everyone can scale up. You know, that's what the difference in stars and role players are. Grant was much less efficient scoring, particularly on twos, because he liked to take a lot of long two-pointers in Detroit than he was when he was like a just dunk and space to shoot threes in Oklahoma City and Denver his previous two seasons prior to landing with the Pistons. The platonic ideal of Jeremy Grant is that role player that was so good in OKC, like the length that he gave OKC, where he played small forward and crazy small ball center with his length. And then in Denver, where in a playoff series where they made the Western Conference Finals, he guarded Donovan Mitchell, Kawhi Leonard, and LeBron James. When the Stars came to town, Denver said, Jeremy, we need you to go check them. And, you know, sort of judging how guard how well you guard stars like the star stats is not a particularly meaningful way to uh maybe judge defensive performance but i will say this the ask is more important you guard guard uh, donovan mitchell in the first round cool we need you again you're guarding Kawhi leonard and cool we need you again you're guarding lebron james he got the ask every time that's the platonic ideal of jeremy grant is that right low usage like a usage in the you know 16 range. Uh, that's how many possessions you finish with either uh, a shot, a turnover, or a free throw. Basically, how many possessions you finish for your team. That's what usage rate is is measuring. So, like a usage rate right in that 17 range, where he's an efficient, you know, 38% three point shooter and a and a able to guard the best players on the team and averages something like 17 a game. That would be a scaled up version than what a scaled up version of what his role was in in Denver. I think he's going to want more than that, but I don't think there's a lot more than that available. I think like 31, 32 minutes a night for Jeremy Grant, 17 points per game, 16, 17 points per game is a very realistic role. The 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 judge for me of whether he's closer to the best case scenario, closer to the worst case scenario is what he does on the defensive end. Um, and whether he, when he does get his offense, he's like forces a little bit too much. I think this is an unfair comparison because I think Jeremy Grant's just better than late career Carmelo Anthony, but it reminds me a little bit of when Melo was here and there was some deference to Melo and like, so the Blazers let him soak up some possessions where he just took terrible shots and it was a mess. There was a little part of Jeremy Grant that wants to take isolation 19 footers. Like I, I, I watched the Pistons a bunch last year. I, I, I watched Jeremy Grant take a bunch of isolation two dribble pull up 19 footers. There's a little Melo in there for him. The worst case scenario was that he does too much of that and not enough of just like he doesn't need to be only a 3 and D guy, but he needs to pick his spots more because the Blazers have elite offensive players and, and Damon Lord and, and what I believe Anthony Simons can be. More of them, and then when Grant, you know, if you get him in if you get him in uh that some second unit minutes where he's like playing against second unit guys on a team that's gonna play faster with like Josh Hart and GP out there, yeah. I, I think you can get the most out of Grant. But my worry for worst-case scenario is just like too much bad offense from Grant and not enough high-level defense. Again, he doesn't need to be a 3 and D guy, but he needs to be a a defensive first player to, for me to feel like he's hitting his best towards his best-case scenario. I kind of think he's going to be fine. I don't think he's going to be the answer. Like I don't think he's going to just like crush past that best-case scenario and make me look silly. Um, because I think there's like, in some ways some ways a limit to what he can, what he can do. Um, but like, I think he's going to be pretty good. Like 17 and 17 and five boards with an assist and a half is going to be a pretty good season for Jeremy Grant. I think he's going to be fine. Whether he pushes the Blazers into sort of like an above average defense and whether he allows them to run a really good offense when he's on the court, we'll see. And I think that will be the judge for me, but his, his counting numbers, I'm not too worried about Jeremy Grant.
We got more fun shows for you tomorrow, uh, or more fun shows for you this week, including tomorrow's show where Orlando Sanchez, a reporter from KGW here in Portland, is going to join the show. First time guest on the program. Super excited to have him. Come back for that one. Come back for Friday when we'll talk the first week of training camp for the Blazers. Next week, we'll continue to do our player previews. We got some preseason games next Monday, five days a week, wherever you get podcasts. Make this your first listen every single day, and then make your second listen locked on fantasy basketball. Josh Lloyd is doing a great job. He's the best there is in the game at, at getting you better at fantasy basketball. Go listen to Locked On Fantasy Basketball. If you're a fantasy basketball player, you will win because you listen to Josh. Even if you're not into fantasy hoops, Josh is just a wealth of NBA knowledge that will make you smarter if you listen to him. So check it out. That's available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. I appreciate you listening. I'll talk to you soon.